Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to highlight one of my favorite passages, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And for those of us who are familiar with this passage, it basically says, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Whatever so I've commanded you, and Lord, I'm with you always. Um, as Christians, all of us have an obligation to go ye therefore and share the gospel with those that the Lord uh, puts in front of us. And it's not just the obligation of the pastors, not just the uh, obligation of the deacons, nor the trustees or the church leaders. It's all of our responsibilities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And for today, we w- are so blessed to have uh, special guests who is familiar with evangelism and Christian apologetics. And I so enjoyed uh, his books as well as uh, the movie that he inspired, which is called God is Not Dead. And he currently has a brand new book called The Human Rights, uh, uh, subtitled To Know Jesus and to Make Him Known. And there's uh, no better thesis than that, to know Jesus and to make him known. So we want to welcome Dr. Rice Brooks to Sound Reasoning. Uh, Brother Brooks, how are you? Perseus, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Very well. I'm very good and very good today. Thank you. My first question is, what motivated you to write on this topic, uh, the human right to know Jesus and to make him known? Well, I, um, I actually was invited into a denomination headquarters called Assemblies of God, and they um, by their COO, and they wanted to talk about the problem of young people uh, leaving the faith when they got to college. And, of course, that's what inspired me to write God's Not Dead, the book. And then I told a friend of, I told a friend of mine I was writing the book, and he said, well, hey, that needs to be a movie. So the movie company came, Pure Flix, and we met and talked, and I described the challenges to the Christian faith and mm-hmm. go on on a university campus. And so uh, as I wrote the book and then the movie came out, then obviously that message was sent loud and clear that you can defend the faith in that setting. So the Assemblies of God were very intrigued by that. They wanted me to come in and talk to them about um, how to do that across the board in their, in their churches. And when I went into their headquarters, they had on the wall this thing that said, the human right to know Jesus. And I said, what's this? <laughs> and they said, well, this is something that our youth, uh, youth leaders were praying for a fresh wind of evangelism to take place. And they said that really that the gospel is the ultimate human right issue. Mm. And so we should call the gospel the, the human right. And so I said, this is fantastic. So they said, well, we don't really know all about it, but could you help us understand it? We know the Lord's given it to us. So next thing you know, I'm up in front of about 15,000 young people in Cincinnati mm. uh, at the request of Heath Adamson, who then, then was their national youth leader. And I'm kind of building out 
you know, what this thing is called the human right, which is something that they had received in prayer from the Lord. And uh, long story short, I finally said, look, I think I, we need to write a book on this. We need to explain this thoroughly why the gospel is the human right. And so they just said, look, you take it and run with it. And they said, it's yours. You just write on it. So over the last year and a half, I've been writing this book, uh, which now will be connected to the next uh, God's Not Dead movie. So uh, the next movie comes out over uh, Good Friday, over Easter weekend, called God's Not Dead, A Light in Darkness. And so a lot of the themes in my book will be in the movie, and then my book will be you know, kind of shown in the credits, uh, as I'm told, or so I'm told. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping that the bottom line, long story, is that I want people to have the conviction that the gospel is the ultimate human right because it alone can deal with injustice at its source. Amen. Every human, which is the human heart. So everyone has a right to know this. It's like if someone's arrested, they read them the rights. You've got a right to remain silent. Well, I believe that the gospel, every human has the right to know what God did in Christ. And so that's the thesis. I appreciate and that. motivation. I- Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the book. I loved reading it. It just is it, so inspiring and it convicts and it points us back to what we ought to be doing as believers. And the way you worded it, uh, the gospel as a public truth that everyone deserves to know. And also, uh, you said that it, lib- it liberates people. Yes. And so I, I appreciate that. Uh, those are two fundamental truths that we all need to remember, that the gospel does uh, uh, liberate people and everyone deserves to know. And that is a human right that we should afford everyone we come across. So my second question is, um, why do you see, you touched on it, but why do you see in this age of uh, subjectivism, why do you see the uh, gospel as a public truth? Yeah, I would say it. I, I have a chapter called The Gospel as Public Truth, and mm-hmm. that's a phrase that came from a man named, uh, an Anglican bishop named Leslie Newbigin. And uh, he was a, a missionary in India for 30 years, and when he got back to England, his home country in the 70s, the gospel was in retreat. And as he investigated to see what could have happened over the 30 years that he was gone, he said that the people see the gospel as private truth, not public truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, what he defined public truth as, he said public truth, he said the gospel is public truth, Mimbigan said, because it happened in history. Mm. So because Christ's death and resurrection are historically, you can investigate them historically, then these are not just subjective truths of religious claims that are kind of like, well, hey, I— you know, the Lord spoke to this to me. Or, you know, many people have these private experiences that they claim these subjective experiences, uh, but yet the gospel happened in history, and, and it can be investigated. Therefore, it's, it's, it's presented, we should present the gospel as public truth, not private truth. You know, in America, I talk to people, and then they go, well, my, my religious beliefs are personal. And I, 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 I hear them. <laughs> I say, yeah, they're so personal. You haven't discussed them with yourself, with yourself yet. You know, <laughs> they're that private. But um, you know, we make Christ came into history. Uh, he's a man of history. Right. He was crucified at the hands of the people, the Romans, that were the best in all of history of killing you. In other words, if if you want to know why Jesus 
was crucified by Pontius Pilate by the Romans because there was no one that ever survived the Roman crucifixion. Mm -hmm. So this was not in some private death, you know, where he was kind of in a back room and the disciples came out like it from some hospital emergency room and said, oh, he's dead. Oh, no, he's alive. No, this was open public death at the hands of the people that were the most brutal and most thorough at killing you. And so his death was undeniable. And therefore, his appearance three days later could only conclude that God raised Jesus from the dead in history. And so, therefore, it's public. It's public news. It's good news. And we share it as public truth. Now, people can accept it or reject it, but we defend the premise that that God raised Jesus from the dead based on the evidence. And that is historically, as you said, historically accurate and in some cases verifiable. Um, my yeah, I mean, I believe I believe it is the evidence. It's the best explanation. I mean, when you say proof, uh, that's you know, what do you mean by that? But I say the, the the best explanation of if you take the facts of his crucifixion, his empty tomb, his appearances after his death, and the sudden emergence of the church mm. in the very place where it would have been easiest to disprove in Jerusalem, the evidence points to God raising Jesus from the dead, mm. Jesus being raised. Therefore, he is who he said he is. He is the Son of God. And you're absolutely correct. So we appreciate you highlighting that for us. Um, you have a section called um, uh, The Cry for Justice. And so my question is, can you talk about uh, how Jesus, uh, and the proclamation of the gospel, ends in justice? Yeah, you know, I, I, a picture I get in my mind is the worst oil disaster in history, which was off the coast of the Gulf of Mexico back in 2010, uh, the BP oil explosion, and this 200,000 gallons of crude oil were dumping into the Gulf, dumped into the Gulf for like 80 days straight. And you could have tried to clean up the mess, which would have been a noble effort to try to save the birds and kind of navigate this growing river of death in this sludge that was being dumped into the Gulf. But you had to stop that thing at its source. You had to cap that leak or else all those efforts would have ultimately been in vain. And so the, the source of injustice is the human heart. Right. Jesus said that out of the heart of man, men and women comes evil, immorality, you know, all of this stuff. So injustice isn't just like radon gas that comes out of the ground or kind of a thick fog that exists in the atmosphere. It comes directly from the heart of people. And so the gospel goes in to the heart of man and people and changes that. We were given a new spirit, a new heart, you know, a new birth. And so God doesn't want to just, you know, manage evil. He doesn't want to just lecture about it. He wants to change it. Mm one heart at a time. And so when we preach the gospel to people, we're literally going to the source of injustice and changing it. It is the source of racism. It is the source of greed and oppression. And so that's the answer is this gospel being proclaimed as the remedy for injustice. So yes, he goes to the very source of injustice and changes it there. I, I, I do appreciate that uh, perspective because you're right. In many ways, um, as Christians, we can get bogged down with um, social activism, which in many cases is necessary, but to 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 not uh, connect it to the source, which is the gospel. Uh, I, I think um, 
moves us away from what God has asked us to do, uh, which is to, like you said, deal with the true source. And is that what you're talking about? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the heart. Man needs to change. Man needs to repent. Amen. And I tell a story about a man on an airplane that was complaining about God couldn't be real because of the evil in the world, and he was sitting in seat 14D. I said, well, God could get rid of all the evil in the world. He'd just have to kill everybody. I said, he tried that once, and I said, he left <laughs> one family. But even the best family had the virus in him, and it replicated, speaking of Noah. And I said, but God has a plan to not kill us, but to change injustice at its source. So I looked at him, and I said, God wants to get all rid of all evil in the world, starting in seat 14D. I said, he wants to start right in your seat and change you know, where you're sitting in your heart. And I said, the irony is he wanted all of our evil to go, but didn't want to give up his. So, yeah, the gospel makes it personal. Amen. That it's it's up to you to make the change. Amen. Amen. Uh, you also talked about uh, some of the ideologies uh, that exist or, or permeates, especially in, in, in our country, uh, that deals with skepticism. Um, Nietzsche and Hume and, and the rest of them, uh, how should we as Christians deal with it? I know we have a gospel to preach, uh, and, and but yet we have this um, this offensive coming at us. How, how should we respond to these philosophies? Well, the good news is that truth exists, and because truth exists, then we can have a discussion based on truth. And so for, you know, skepticism ultimately says that God does not exist. Nietzsche's saying God is dead. And Nietzsche didn't say that God was alive and then died. He just basically said the Christian idea of God is dead. And, of course, he put that that attitude in one of his books and kind of the mouth of a madman in his character who runs into the city square and goes, God is dead and you killed him. He's kind of pointing to the to the religious people around him and saying, hey, your, your pretentious religion um, has discredited God, and now he no longer he no longer existed with his death is your morality as well. So at least skepticism is consistent if there is no God, as Dostoevsky said, all things are permissible. And Nietzsche would make that claim, is that basically the idea of right and wrong, good and evil, so when somebody talks about injustice or something that's unjust, the question is by says who? Right. I mean, if we're just animals, if we're just animals and animals that kill other animals are not crime scenes. You know, it's like the Geico commercial. If you're a lion and you kill a deer, that's just like Geico says, that's just what animals do or what lions do. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's not a literal commercial. I'm kind of doing a takeoff on their commercials. But the point is, if we're just simply lucky mud, if we're just simply a collection of of atoms and chemicals, and there is no soul, there is no moral dimension to us, and there's no difference between us and a dog besides where a dish is located in the kitchen, then really then there is these areas of injustice are just illusions. Right. And so you ask, it's, it's so ironic that people that want to claim that there is no God, but they have moral claims they make about something that's unjust. And so you have to say, by what standard are you appealing to? Mm. So it's like with human rights. If there is no God, then, then humans humans have no more rights. Uh, what, what rights do we have? They're just, we're asserting something, their preferences. But our own Declaration of Independence, John Locke, who 
could be called the philosophical founder of the Declaration. John Locke said in his language that came in the Declaration that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with these rights, and he calls them unalienable or inalienable rights, which means you can't take them away. But if you don't anchor them into the creator, then they can be taken away. So why do these rights, why are these rights really real and why are they ours regardless of what a government or humans say? It's because they come from God. So if God is out of the equation, there is no God, then I believe human rights ultimately crumble. Mm. As well as any distinction as to what makes us human. Not only do we have no rights, but really if there is no God, again, what gives us any distinction uh, to call ourselves having any more rights more than any other animal? Why human rights? Why not any other rights? Right, right. But it's because we're created in God's image that those rights are transcendent and come from him. That's that's the central claim I make. Amen. I, t- I totally agree. My last question is, um, there are those that may be listening uh, who agree with us that uh, we ought to share the gospel, but they are a little bit apprehensive in terms of being confrontational. You speak on that in your book. Can you please elaborate on that? Well, you know, I don't really think, I don't really, confrontation is not our, we don't have to be the confrontational uh, character in the dialogue. We're, we really, I teach a little principle to people called SALT, mm-hmm. S-A-L-T. You start a conversation, you ask questions, you listen, and then you tell the story. So, I mean, there are questions that people have or that people should have, and we need to ask them those questions. So rather than going out just making my own statements or, you know, talking about the gospel first, I basically want to find out, you know, you know, what do you think the most important human right is or where do you think these rights come from and what makes something unjust? And when people begin to ponder these things that they've just kind of assumed are true, they realize that they don't really know where they come from. They just kind of, again, it's the language of something that's just self-evident. So I think we get to go out and ask questions. We don't have to be on the defense. We go out and we ask questions and and ask people what they think about this and how they define it. What would you do to get rid of evil? And when they realize that they don't know, then we say, did you know that God has a plan to get rid of evil? And it's called the gospel, or, and we call it the ultimate <laughs> human right. That you Amen. need to minimally know about it. Amen. And uh, God became man in Christ. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he's the son of God. And he offers forgiveness of sins and salvation to everyone who will turn to him to repent and believe. And so that little summary that I just recited of the gospel is something I encourage people to memorize. In fact, you can go... We have a little a free app called the God Test, the God Test, and it's and it has several questions. It's a central question of do you believe in God? And then if people say yes, there's a, there's ten questions. If they say no, there's ten different questions. But that app has been downloaded in 170 countries, but it really has become the largest global survey on God in the world, and it's simply engaging people in a dialogue about truth and how and what are the answers to these questions that they have. And when they've given us their answers and we listen to them, we say, well, would you be open to hear an alternate explanation, another explanation? And we tell them, we give them truth, and ultimately we give them the gospel. Mm. So we can start a conversation, we can ask questions, we can listen, 
and then we can winsomely and respectfully tell the story of the gospel. Amen. And I think that we, if we start engaging that way, then we're going to see a lot more fruit. Amen. Amen. I appreciate the wisdom that you've shared with all of us. Again, uh, the title of the book is called The Human Rights, subtitle to know Jesus Christ and to make him known. Uh, yeah, it's doc- human rights singular, so the human right singular. I don't know if I'm somebody gave you a wrong thing there, but it's it's not an S. The human right, and they can they could pre-order it. It comes out February 20th. Um, the movie God's Not Dead, A Light in Darkness, which it's connected to, comes out a month later on Good Friday. So appreciate all the fans of God's Not Dead that have supported it and that have read the books. And again, our whole goal is to see millions of young people and people of all ages, really, but really specifically young people learn to defend the faith and to explain why the Christian story is true. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you so much for coming on Sound Reasoning. And we pray that the Lord be with you and your team as you go around globally sharing the gospel concerning the human right. Thanks again, Dr. Brooks. God bless. Okay. Have a blessed day. That, again, is uh, Dr. Rice Brooks, the author of God's Not Dead, as well as the new book, The Human Right to Know Jesus Christ and to Make Him Known. And if you're listening today, I highly encourage you to equip yourself for days such as these, Christianity or the teachings or the tenets of our faith is under attack. And we must have a reasonable answer. We must have an answer uh, that's rooted in the scriptures. And we must engage people where they are. So I encourage you to read your Bible, of course, but also to get other resources such as uh, his book that can help you and edify you as you go forth to share the gospel. It's highly important that we all continue to pray for our neighbors. We pray for ourselves and we continue to do the work that Christ has given us, which is to be witnesses, which is to give the world an answer. And really uh, the world makes complete sense within a Christian paradigm outside of a Christian paradigm. You have inconsistencies. So we ask that all of us take up, take up our mantle, uh, share the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ that we talked about, and that we equip ourselves, get some training uh, if your church offers it. If not, uh, look for other opportunities to learn how to share your faith. Uh, But definitely uh, movies such as God is Not Dead and, of course, this book, uh, The Human Right, is essential to our uh, growth and it's essential to us learning more about how to give our faith away. Please consider... Uh, donating to Sound Reason Ministries. And remember to do for the truth what others do for a lie. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org.
Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.